believe our teen, teens are going to be difficult, we find enough evidence to support that belief. And that's all we see. And we start manifesting more and more of that. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Art of Tough Transitions podcast. I am George Kalantis and you just heard Dr. Cam, an adolescent psychologist and family success coach, speaking on why we have trouble with parenting and why a lot of the things that we think we are doing are in the best interest for our kids are really actually some of the things that prevent us from being in creating an amazing relationship with our kids. And while we talk more particularly on the adolescent years of uh, our teenagers and childhood, it can apply to all parents. And what you're about to listen and learn today are some of the most important things you can do to ensure an amazing connection with you and your kid or your kids and to ensure lifelong success because parenting is one of the most challenging things I've ever had to face to date. And yes, I've gone through some crazy things, but you know, if I'm not constantly learning and growing and giving Melina a chance to adapt and grow and be independent, then what are we really doing? Because most of the time we don't even know that we are conveying these messages to our kids and we, we might want them to talk. We might want them to listen, but it's really how we speak and show up first with ourselves that allows our kids to listen to us and to grow with us and to also become their own individual. And so I couldn't be more excited to share today's podcast with you and all the things that we're about to talk about and cover, which I will let her discuss. But essentially what we're going over today is going to allow you to build peaceful and positive relationships within your kids' lives through improved communication and deeper understanding. Because the more you understand your life and the more you understand your kids' view in the world, the better you're going to create trust and respect and harmony within both your lives. So I couldn't be more excited for this conversation. And I know you're going to get a lot of it if you are a parent. And wherever you're listening to this, make sure you review it, share it, leave me a comment, let me know what you think. Like I said, I have so many more guests coming up and this can come at a better time with all the kiddos going back to school. And one last thing before we get started, in eight days, the book comes out. I couldn't be more excited as well to share that with you. So if you're not following me on all the updates, make sure you go to nowheretogobook.com to check out some pre-release stuff. And without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Dr. Cam. Hey, I'm George Kalantis, and welcome to the Art of Tough Transitions podcast. I'm a writer, I'm a personal coach, I'm dad, but more importantly, I'm exactly like you. I know what it feels like to want to reach into your past and change anything you could have done differently to erase all the events that you wish didn't happen. You know, after going through my own rebirth, I've realized there really is nowhere to go in our lives. Then maybe the purpose of our lives is to not try to change the outcome of what we might be facing, but to simply be with our lives with as little as resistance as we can create. You know, if everything starts with a story, these stories I will share and the guests I will bring on will give you the power to free yourself from the heaviness you might be feeling during your transition. The purpose of this podcast is to show you that you are not alone in the world. Whatever is happening at this moment in your life, when you feel lost, couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. When you find the strength to step towards living the edges of the unknown, you begin to accept your entire life story rather than resist it. You know, one day you'll be able to look back and see that this day was a defining moment for you. 
You might not see this right now because you are finding ways to step between the spaces, but I promise you will love, you will laugh and smile again. Someday you will tell your story that the challenges you are facing right now did not crush your soul, or break your heart. They made you open because your voice matters. It always has. And so do you. Welcome to the Art of Tough Transitions podcast. All right, we are now live with another episode of the Art of Tough Transitions. And today I have an amazing guest because this is definitely an issue I have struggled with over the last few years since my divorce. And I know a lot of people have asked me, you know, how I deal with the co-parenting struggles and how I deal with raising my daughter in this world of chaos today. And I have an amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Cam. And we're going to talk about as many things as we can and just shoot the shit over coffee and talk about things parenting. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited for today. Thank you, George. I'm excited about this too. All right. So I'm going to ask, I usually ask um, my guests, like, what was the toughest transition that has led them there today? So with you, what was it that happened in your life that led you to become a uh, family and success coach? So it, it's one of those things where you're where you're at and you look back and go, how did I get here? <laughs> and so it actually started when I was a teenager and struggled as a teen um, and was just felt completely misunderstood fought with my parents all the time, like so many teenagers do. And just, I, I remember being a peer counselor though. Um, it looked good on my resume. What can I say? Or my college ap application, right? And having my first client come in and it was Stephanie. And Stephanie was the bully, the school bully. And I was like this little straight A teacher's pet, you know, did everything right kid. And in walks this girl towering over me with a scowl on her face. And I thought, I am dead meat. And as she started talking to me, I listened and found out that so much of what she was feeling was exactly what I was feeling too. I'm like, how can we be so completely different and on the outside? And yet we're feeling the exact same way on the inside. And that kind of stuck with me. And so did psychology. And I went and got my PhD years later and was teaching a class in adolescent psychology. And I had parents in there coming up to me saying, oh my God, what you're teaching in this class is completely changing our relationship with our own teens. We get them now. And that's when I kind of had this epiphany that teens are just completely misunderstood, completely misunderstood. And I started sharing my information and what I knew with my friends, colleagues, anybody that would listen to me and people started coming back and going, oh my God, what you told me changed my relationship. It changed it. I'm like, ah, this is good stuff. I've got to, I've got to share this with more people and fast forward. And I've made it into a career because it turns out there's a lot of people that don't know this information that can really benefit from it. Mm, yes. I, I love that. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you had some own issues going on in your life and you started talking about and sharing it. And then all of a sudden people were implementing what you were talking about. And you're like, Whoa, there's something here. So yeah. let's, let's go backwards though. So it doesn't start necessarily with our teens though, right? It starts with us as parents or is uh, that. It's all us as parents. <laughs> it, doesn't, it not only doesn't start with our teens, it doesn't end with our teens either. And I think that's the hardest part for parents to realize. And one of the things that I'm, probably the most vocal about is that we completely are misunderstanding them. And it's not our fault. It's the way that we've always been taught to perceive adolescence. And it's this kind of bias that we have towards what the teen years are supposed to be like. And they're supposed to be tough. 
They're supposed to be traumatic. They're supposed to be emotional and, you know, rebellious and all of these things. And we go into adolescence with this frame of mind and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm not saying teens are easy, but I'm saying most of the conflict we experience with our teens, we actually create because of our expectations. Mm, yeah, yeah. Let's talk more about that, actually. So we have this expectation. Are, are we saying it's probably due to like a trigger event that happened to us growing up that causes us to like create this story around how our teens should be in life, quote unquote, should? Yeah. Is that kind of what happens? It's a lot of everything, George, actually. It is, we remember our teen years and our memories stick to things that are more negative, right? That's just, that's more salient in our minds. And so we remember the tough parts of being teens. I don't know anybody that wants to go relive that period. It's, it's not fun. Um, the way media portrays adolescence is not very positive. What we see in the news, we see all these like shootings and these mental, like all these things. Um, it all kinds of collaborates and they've had studies that are actually cross-cultural studies. So it's not just one culture or one country that has these beliefs, it's, it's widespread. And they show that the way adults perceive teens is significantly more negative than actuality, than what they are in reality. And so we just feed into this and we feed each other. I mean, talk to new parents. They've got this cute baby in their arms and they're already lamenting how bad it's gonna be when they turn into a teen. So they spend the first several years, you know, the three-year-old rolls their eyes and they're like, oh my God, they're already acting like a teenager, right? So we just have the, all these negatives, literally stereotypes about what it means to be a teen. And the way our brain works is it looks for affirmation for what our beliefs are. And so we look for all the evidence to support what we already believe. And when we believe our teen, teens are going to be difficult, we find enough evidence to support that belief. And that's all we see. And we start manifesting more and more of that. Mm, yes, yes, yes. The uh, confirmation bias and the negativity bias, right? It's like, a, yeah, it's like all a, rolled up in one. <laughs> right. So it's, it's like, uh, it's kind of like, okay, you want this car that you don't buy it and then you see it everywhere, but then you also create ways where you still don't want that car. It's a, it's a, but it's with all, parenting. Yep. All of that. So for those that don't really understand, like, implicit or explicit messages. Could you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Like what that means in reference to parenting and how that might show up? Yeah. So I think a lot of times what we say to our kids and what we want to convey to our kids is very different from our actions and what we relate to them. And I think a good example of this is you can trust me. You can talk to me, tell me, you know, I'd rather you tell me the truth and talk to me. And parents are like, I don't understand. I tell them it's safe to talk to me, but they won't. But when they talk to us, we correct, we get upset. We try to pep talk. We try to fix, we try to do all the things, which are the very reason they didn't come to us in the first place. And so when we say, so it's something like we say, it's going to be safe to talk to me, but then it's not safe to talk to us. And we get upset that they won't. And I think it's also the messages of, you know, I want my kids to have a lot of confidence and I tell them they should be really confident in who they are. But yet when they make a mistake, I do that little, that sigh of exasperation of like, what are you thinking? Right. Or are you wearing that? And so be confident, but yet all of our messages are, 
we're disappointed in who you are. And how do you have confidence when you're the very people that are supposed to accept you or disappointed in you? Is that what you mm. meant? Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, because, you know, I mean, my daughter is only five and obviously I have these or had these views and shedding these views around, you know, how to grow up in life. And because I'm competitive and I never, you know, I came from a, a family who was, we had a big family, but again, it was very separate, even though it was big. And then we had cultural beliefs around how firstborn, how I was supposed to act as a firstborn son and yada, yada, yada. So I catch myself doing this, like, you know, toddlers, they tend to lie about so many things in life. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I used to yell now get angry, but then she won't tell me. So it's like, I catch some of these. Can you, can you recall a time in your childhood that um, was an example of how you noticed like your teens acting and, and what did you do to change that behavior? So a time in my childhood when I was a teen, Oh, uh, sorry, let me freeze. So okay. do you remember a time like where a trigger happened in your, in your parenting with your teens now that remember, uh, reminded you of your childhood? Um, yeah, this weekend. Um, I mean, I have a teenager, so it happens all the time. So this weekend I was, we were on vacation and we were supposed to be somewhere and we're in a hotel room. I'm like, Oh, we get to sleep in. I overslept. And so all of a sudden we needed to be somewhere. And I was like, we got to get ready. We got to go. And I was just like trying to pepper up to go, you know, like, let's go, let's get moving. And she got really angry and just pushed back and got really kind of started getting really nasty, actually, even, and just like, come on, mom. And just talking to me in that tone, right? The tone that triggers us parents of, uh, 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 you don't talk to me this way. And I sat there going, okay, there's two roads I can take right here. I can either shut her down and say, oh no, you don't talk to me that way. Just go get ready and do your thing enough. Or I can take the road that I teach my parents that I work with to take. And that is to under get curious and understand and go, okay, she's really upset right now. What's going on? Well, what was going on was she doesn't like being pressured to be late because I don't like being pressured to be late, which I've now given to her, right? And she was feeling really under pressure. And she was feeling like shamed for not being done in time when really I had given her no opportunity. And so she was mad at me. And when we're mad at people, we snap and we don't talk nicely. And when she was, she was stressed out because I was trying to make her rush, which she's not like. So there's all these things that she had very fair. It was very fair for her to feel that way. And it was fair for her to be mad at me because I was the, actually the one that messed up. And so when I stepped back and asked her what was going on, and I said, I apologize. I said, you're absolutely right. I had an expectation on you that was not fair. And it was my fault. How do we stop this from happening next time? We have another trip coming up. How do we prevent that? We had a great conversation. We resolved it. I apologized. We went on and had a great day. Had I made the assumption that she's being a spoiled brat, she's being a teenager, she's being disrespectful, which was a very easy path to take, it would have been a really bad day. Mm. And the only difference was how I showed up, not how my daughter showed up. Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like I said, my daughter's only five, but I, I catch myself in these limited beliefs and stories. Last week we went on our first hike together and you know, it's 2000 feet. It's pretty big for a five-year-old. 
uh, on 90 degree weather, mind you. And wow. you know, yeah. And so <laughs> we started and, you know, and then she was getting tired and angry and up the whole way of the mountain. I was like, you're strong. You can do this. You're courageous. And, you know, she was fighting, she was fighting, climbing up the rocks while I'm saying this, not even knowing it. Cause I'm like getting her mind off the rocks. Next thing you know, we get up to the top. She looks over and she's like, I did that. I am strong. And it it was such a beautiful thing because it reminded me of like, okay, like there was a voice inside my head that was getting a little mad because it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful hike. I wanted to get to the top, but then there was also the side where I was like, she's a five. She's a female. This is her first time. She's scared. And I had to kind of shatter all these voices in my head, especially the Marine one, you know, like, Oh, I'm hard. We can do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And make it to the top together. And it was a beautiful experience. And at the top, she told me, I love you. That was so much fun, but I don't want to do this again. I said, okay, we don't have to. <laughs> it, it is so funny though, because I think also just realizing going, what is my intention here? Right. And what is, I mean, let's just face it. Parenting is not convenient. It is not convenient. It's and not if easy. we expect it to be, that is a really dangerous expectation. And if we expect our kids to make our lives convenient, that's a really unfair expectation to put on them. So I think the first thing is to sit back and go, and I love how you sat back and go, okay, I'm getting upset, but why? And what do I actually want from this moment? And that you are able to get through that and get what you want. And that moment, that memory is gonna be a really positive one for your daughter. I believe cool. so. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I, that brings me to this, this whole idea, you know, I mean, obviously it's not easy. It's not convenient. It's all these things. How do we, let's say, how, let's start from the beginning. How do we start to develop that trust and that communication and that um, compassion while allowing our kids to be individualized in the world today? Cause I know that's, that's like the hardest thing I have a hard time with at least. And a lot of other people do too. Like, where's that fine line? How much do we push them? How much do we let them coast? I know it's all individual, but it, it is. And it is a really difficult thing. I think what I really encourage parents to do, especially when you're co-parenting, not especially, but definitely when you're co-parenting too, is to find and establish what your values are. I think when you parent from a value, when you make value-based decisions rather than fear-based or situational-based or weren't, you know, what are other people going to think of me based decisions, they become a lot more consistent and clear. And you can communicate them a lot better to your kids, because ultimately, your goal is to set them up to be able to make their own good decisions. Mm. And that's a lot easier to say something like, rather than saying, is that the right thing to do? Say, is that the kind thing to do? What does it mean to be kind? Right? Right can change as the wind blows like right today can be very different tomorrow right to you and me and someone else are completely different kind as we defined it a lot easier to make that decision right so when you come up and i i tell parents like come up with your top five values because if you have like a trillion it becomes water like it doesn't mean anything but if you've got five values that mean a lot to you you can now base your decision on, is this something that I want to address with my child because it's based, it's counter to this value or even better, how do I help model and instill this value in my child? How do I show my child this, the importance of this so that they now accept that value? What values are important to my child? As they're getting into adolescence, it's really important to ask what values are important to them and why. And now if we're all parenting and making decisions from the same values, 
we can stay a lot more consistent. We can let go of things that really are fear-based and don't matter. And we now give our kids the tools that they can make their own decisions. I love that value-based parenting. It also leads to better boundaries, right? A hundred percent. It helps us establish what boundaries are important because Mm. we set, a lot of us set boundaries after the fact. We can kind of, I call it parenting by default. You know, something happens, you react. A lot of times it's, I'm upset with that. I'm taking your phone away. You shouldn't have done that. Well, none of that's helpful because first of all, shouldn't, shouldn't based on what, what information were they given beforehand that they should have known better? Um, it's an, also an expectation. It also punishes them. It's punitive after the fact, rather than giving, helping them make a good decision. You've just punished them for making a decision they made based on your assumptions. They should have known something. And mm. now you're not giving them the tools to make a better decision in the future. You've just surrounded that with shame and, and feeling bad about themselves, which isn't helping them make a better choice in the, in the future. So I think when we have values that we can instill and create boundaries ahead of time, now we're giving our kids the tools to succeed. I love that. Yes. Yes. Cause it seems like it's, we're always, I'll call it a battle, but uh, like, it's like we're in a conflicted or a cooperative relationship. Right. And so when we're ever in this like conflicted relationship, we have things like internal fears, limited beliefs, uh, shame, resentment, all these things that happen to us, which we uh, subconsciously feed into our children. But yeah. when we learn to like listen to those and be more aware, then we can be a little bit more cooperative, which creates flexibility and which creates growth and all these things. But that's not easy. Oh God, no. it's not easy at all. I think one of the one of the ways that I I really help parents get there, um, and really find that place of compassion <clears throat> is through their mindset, and it's really flipping it. I think a lot of times that belief that your teen is being difficult, right? We, we're like, our teens are making my life difficult. My teen, I've even heard my teen is an a-hole, like like all this stuff. When we come at it from that perspective, yeah, it pushes our buttons because we see them as intentionally trying to make our lives difficult. When we flip it and go, you know what? Our teens don't want to get in trouble. In fact, the thing that they want more than anything is our acceptance and our approval and our love. When they don't feel like they know how to get that, then they give up and then Mm. they push back and then they protect themselves. When we come at it as my teen is doing the best they know how under these circumstances and the tools they have, then we can go, okay, if I don't like the way they're handling that, why, what's going on? What do they need? How can I help them? Someone said the other day, you know, I've told them 50 times they should know better. Well, if you've told them 50 times and they still don't know, then maybe you need to change the way you're communicating it. It's not your teen's fault that you keep saying it the same way in a way that they don't understand. Change the way you're saying it, right? So we need to switch it from not my teen is broken to how do I show up differently to set my teen up to succeed? Hmm. Now the power is all on us. Yeah, that's beautiful. I have, I have some nephews who are teenagers, but I'm thinking in my head while you're explaining this, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work, but. <laughs> so, and, and what you're saying by working right there though, is part of it. Because when you're saying that you're going, my expectation is for them to change. 
My sure, goal okay. as a parent is for them to do what I want. And you are now setting them up to fail and you up to be disappointed because you right. can't make any human being do what they don't want to do if they have their own mind. And we want our kids to have their own mind and their own opinions. It's not about forcing them to obey. They're not trained pets. Mm. It's understanding and instilling their own. We can't, I think, I think what people believe is I can't motivate my team. That's because you can't motivate human beings. You are trying to manipulate them to do what you want them to do because you have a need for them to do it. Right. You're that's not going to happen. And yeah, they're going to push back because nobody wants that. The question is, why is this important to me? What am I trying to teach them? Why, what is it in it for them? Where's my intention? Where's my goal in having them do this? If I want them to help around the house, why, what am I trying to instill in them? And how do I do that? It's not about forcing them to do the dishes exactly when I tell them to do the dishes. It's about instilling this feeling of liking to help and wanting to help and pull their weight and do, you know, and be able to participate and getting that great feeling of being, of contribute, um, contributing. How do I instill that? Because when I instill that, I no longer have to ask my daughter to take out the garbage or help. She loves doing it because it makes her feel good because that's where we came from. Mm, yes. I love that. Uh, I actually see my daughter doing some of that. Sometimes I'll just be cleaning the house, whatever. And she'll come over and she's like, can I do this with you? I'm like, absolutely. I you know, love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we give them opportunities to make the right choice without taking, re taking that right choice away from them, when we tell kids what to do, we take that choice away from them. It's our mm. choice now. If we give them the chance to make that choice, they like to make the right choice. They love to feel appreciated. Oh my gosh, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, like who doesn't to... want to feel seen, heard, or unwitnessed, right? right? Like we all want to be, yeah. want to feel that. Ah, man, you got my mind like running a mile. Uh, because it's, it's a whole, I, it's a mind flip, isn't it? It's a mind yeah, flip. It's, it totally is. I mean, you know, I, like I'm definitely doing my best with my daughter and I see some of it and I still have those things, but you know, it's, it's my nephews. They're, they're older. They don't really have a dad. Um, you know, my, my sister is a real estate agent, so she's always busy. Now they're going into high school and, you know, I've trained with some of them and things like that. But, um, I told them, I was like, Hey, I, I can't make you do this. You guys asked me to train with me and I, I explain why I do this and why I'm like I am and, and how, like, if you want to be an athlete, you know, you see other athletes train hard you know, I just got the pushback of like how hard it was. And I don't understand. I was like, okay, I'm not going to train with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or you do. And you, you know, you like go, okay, well to them, that is something they got to build up. I mean, you've got your mindset there. It takes people a while to get there too. So it's kind of like, what do they want to achieve at it? And how do you help them get there? How do you build that up? Cause I think a lot of times, um, particularly teenagers are so sensitive to feeling rejected or judged or criticized or shamed or failing that they will do anything in their mind to protect that really, really fragile sense of self. It's mm. really fragile. And so it comes across as disrespect. It comes across as entitlement or apathy, or I don't care. It's all protecting themselves. And I always want to just explain to parents that inside they want approval and love and acceptance so 
much it hurts. And when they push back, it's because they don't believe they can get it and they're protecting themselves. Kids Mm. have no need, human beings have no need to be mean and ugly and nasty to people unless they feel ugly and nasty inside. Mm, And so I see this with, I see this with a lot of teenagers that are lashing out, not because they're jerks. They're not, they're hurt. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thinking back to my childhood. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Right. I mean, it's funny because when we go back into how we felt then, and we really think about it, we don't like going back and revisiting that because it hurts so much. But when we do, we realize that's what these kids are feeling too. It's easier for us as adults to just believe they're jerks. It really is. But when we go back to how we were feeling when we were acting, and we all acted that way too, we were hurt. Yes. No, that, that's, it, it's, it's amazing to, to hear and then to think about how like I'm bringing up my daughter and then also reflect on my own past. Um, I was just going to ask you what you think the most common issues among parenting with teenagers are, but I think you just answered that in reference to like kids want to feel seen, they want to feel loved, validated and accepted. And so correct me if I say this wrong, but like the most common issue is us not understanding that need because maybe we didn't have that need growing up. So we create this story that we think like it should be this way and that will make them feel X, Y, Z. Well, we had that need. I think most of us don't know how we're parenting the same way our parents parented or complete opposite, we think, of the way our parents parented. Um, But I think a lot of times we're not parenting with clear intention of where Mm. we want to be and what we're trying to achieve. And I think what teens need so badly in order, because we want our kids to be successful, but what they need more than anything to really be what, however you define success is a really good, strong relationship with their parents. That's shown time and time again. That is the number one factor in making sure that your kids are mentally healthy, are secure. All of the things you want is having a good relationship with you. And unfortunately, we try to give them all this other stuff at the expense of the most important thing. So we're pushing them on grades. We're driving them to all kinds of lessons and practices and all this stuff. And we're doing, and we're so busy trying to give them all this tools they need to succeed that we're sacrificing the only one thing that they actually need. And that's us. Us. Yes. Love for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's often the hardest to see. That was very hard for me. Um, you know, in the, in the middle of the divorce and stuff like that. And then when I, when I made the change, I said, okay, the best thing I'm going to do is spend time with my daughter as much as I can. And that's exactly what I do. I create my schedule around freedom and spending as much time as I can around her. And it so happens to be that I can't really, I mean, she's so young, but I think her love language is definitely touch and quality time. Because like, if I don't like pick her up or give her a hug or give her a kiss, just like, uh, hello, where are you today? She'll tiptoe in the morning. I'll be writing in the morning. She'll come over to me and tap me on the shoulder and say, hug time. I say, I love you. Good morning. (laughs) And you know what? I've seen this a lot. um, And this is good because you can prep for when she gets older, because I think a lot of kids, particularly girls who have touch as their love language, when they get older, their dads get that relationship with their dads gets really uncomfortable and weird. And I think a lot of 
dads back off because they're like, okay, I don't, I didn't understand teen girls when I was a teen. I don't understand them now. Like they just scare me. Right. So I'm just yeah. going to be like, I'm going to be out of here. I can't deal with the emotions. I can't deal with any of this. And I talk to a lot of teen girls who feel very, very rejected by their dads mm. because not because their dads don't love them because their dads don't know how to show that anymore. And they go, they turn into provider mode. I'm just going to be, that's how I can show love. I'm going to be a provider. I'm going to give them the money and give them anything they need, but it's not what the kids want. And so I just always want to remember, remind dads that providing is necessary, but that's not how they're feeling. That's mm. um, spending time with them. And it doesn't have, it can, it can change, but still being able to, to show that um, is really, really important. That was a beautiful reminder. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe many other people will take that advice to the heart. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if there was, let's say like, cause I think this is a big one. So, all right, we had so much advice here and creating values and things like that. But if there is a relationship with your teen and it's considered not great, I mean, there's just troubles all around. Yeah. How does one start? Where does one start? It's a really good question. And this is where I am at with majority of my clients when they come to me. This is, this is exactly the place we're at. Um, I think, as we said, the first one is really changing your mindset and how do you want to show up for your kid? Mm-hmm. Um, and the changes you can make once you start going, how am I going to change how I show up is one thing. The other thing and the most, the thing that I hear from most teenagers, let me rephrase that from every single teenager is that they don't feel heard. And most of the behaviors that we dislike are their reaction to not feeling heard and trying to be heard. And parents are really great at providing advice, pep talking, um, trying to, you know, give them, give them lectures, give all this stuff. Parents and all adults, all humans are terrible at listening. we're, We're terrible at it. We're not taught to listen. We're taught to read, to write, to talk. We're not taught to listen. And it is the number one most important parenting skill that anyone raising a teen needs is to be able to zip and listen to their teens and validate what they're feeling. Even if you disagree, even if you think it's completely out in left field, they need to know they're heard. And so what I recommend for parents to feel like they're in a complete conflictual um, relationship and their kids want nothing to do with them. First, remember that they do. They just don't know how show up where they're at. Um, so a lot of parents will be like, I, their kids, my kids won't come downstairs. I keep inviting them to come down to play games or to do, they don't want to do that. What do they want to do? If you want to spend time with your teens, find out what they like to do. If they love playing video games, then you know what? Go play video games with them. If they love TikTok, go scroll TikTok with them. Share funny TikToks. I can spend hours doing this, right? Like, Do what they love and get into their world rather than putting down their world and judging the world. Find out what they love about their world. No deep conversations. Just be there with them. Just no expectations of what they have to be when they're there. Just be there. And as they build that trust and go, okay, hanging out with mom and dad actually can be fun. They're not going to lecture me. It's not going to turn into a learning moment. We can actually just laugh. Kids love to tell jokes and have their parents laugh at their jokes flat out or be told silly, like just have fun as that strengthens. And as your kids open up, just 
listen, which takes so much pressure off us, off us as parents, because we don't have to solve and we shouldn't solve. Hmm. We should just, if we just listen and validate and empathize with what they're feeling, they feel heard. And that's when they go, thanks mom. And I've heard this time and time and time again, where parents come back to me and they go, oh my God, out of nowhere. My, I, I heard this just today. Stopped arguing with her son every morning about getting ready and doing do and stop that. And he, she goes, first time in three years, he sat down and just had a conversation with us. Just did. Because she had changed the dynamic. That was very powerful and beautiful. Thank you very much for that. Absolutely. I, I actually, I want to ask one more thing and mm-hmm. uh, this, this might be powerful. It might be hard, but if you were to close your eyes and listen to your heart, what is that one piece of advice you would give to that parent that is struggling right now? Oh, that's a, I've never had that one. That's a good one. I'm actually going to close my eyes and think about this. Uh, to remember that the relationship that you always believed you would have with your teen is possible and that your teen wants it too. Thank you. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we uh, connected and I'm so thankful for you to come on the show and just share your advice and your expertise with the world. I know it's much needed. Um, I'm excited to get this out and uh, please let me, let me know how I can best support you. And then obviously where these people can find you, where you're at the most these days. So my, I have a podcast parenting teens with Dr. Cam. And so we dig into this every, every twice a week. I dig into this um, and I get experts on that. I want to talk to as well and dig in and ask questions because there's still so much to learn. Um, And then if you just go to my website, askdrcam.com, um, you can find everything about me there. Perfect. Thank you very much. Well, I'm excited to uh, get to know you over the upcoming days. And I think I'll be on your podcast somewhere you are. soon I can't here wait. in the future. And yeah. it's going to be awesome. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope you have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Thanks. You too, George. Bye. Bye. What an amazing conversation with Dr. Cam. I learned so much. I don't know about you, but I took notes and I can't wait to implement some of this in my life, especially as Momina grows. And speaking of grows, uh, Dr. Cam did us a huge favor by creating this resource for listeners, 10 tips for parenting teens in today's world. You can check that out in the show notes. I think you'll learn a lot from it. I know I did. I've checked it out. It's it's got some amazing tips in there and easy to implement into your life. And um, if you're still listening to this outro, do us a favor, tag me and Dr. Cam on Instagram. Let us know what your biggest revelations or insights are because When you let us know, you pay it forward, and that's also how you grow and implement, right? You don't just listen to something and let it go. You actually reflect on what you learn, share it in the world, and it causes an amazing ripple effect out there. So do that for us. And again, I can't wait to see how this helped you. And uh, in eight days, my book launch happens. So there's a lot going on in the next 10 days, and I will talk to you soon on the Friday Flow.